0: Deuteronomy chapter number 11, and uh, I'd like to begin reading in verse number 1. The Word of God says, Therefore thou shalt love the Lord thy God, and keep His charge, and His statutes, and His judgments, and His commandments always. And know ye this day, for I speak not with you children which have not known, and which have not seen, the chastisement of the Lord your God, His greatness, His mighty hand, and His stretched out arm, and His miracles, and His acts, which he did in the midst of Egypt unto Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and unto all his land, what he did unto the army of Egypt, unto their horses, and to their chariots, how he made the water of the Red Sea to overflow them as they pursued after you, and how the Lord hath destroyed them unto this day, and what he did unto you in the wilderness until ye came into this place what he did unto Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the son of Reuben, how the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their households and their tents and all the substance that was in their possession in the midst of all Israel. But your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord, which he did. Let me pause there and say, boy, it's good to be able to say we've seen the good hand of God upon our lives, isn't it? There's some things you won't know unless you see it. And uh, Moses is talking to some people that have seen some things. They haven't just heard. They're like Job. They said, I had heard with the hearing and the ear, but now have mine eyes seen. He says, I'm writing to some people that have seen some things. He says in verse number 8, Therefore shall ye keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that ye may be strong, and go in, and possess the land, whither ye go to possess it, that ye may prolong your days in the land, which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed, a land that floweth with milk and honey. For the land whither thou goest in to possess it is not as the land of Egypt from when she came out, where thou sowest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. But the land whither ye go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys and drinketh water of the rain of heaven, a land which the Lord thy God careth for. And I want you to notice the last phrase of this verse 12. It says, "...the eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it, from the beginning of the year, even unto the end of the year." Let's read that last phrase. "...for the eyes of the Lord uh, thy God are always upon it, from the beginning of the year, even unto the end of the year." Let's pray. Father, we pray that You'd bless now the preaching Your Word, that You'd speak to hearts for Your glory. Lord, we love You. We thank You for loving us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm interested this evening, particularly on the phrase at the end of verse number 12. And I'll tell you why, because at this time of year, you know, it's New Year's time, New Year's season, if we want to call it that. Uh, The last time that we met together, it was on New Year's Day. And I'd say most of you probably haven't broken your resolutions just quite yet. Amen. You got at least another week or two on those. Somebody say amen to that. But we've sort of got the New Year's time. On our minds. And it's interesting the way that the Lord says through Moses' his servant to the children of Israel, that, hey, listen, you've been in this wilderness, you've been walking, you've been following me. I've led you by the hand. I've led you as a child. Now you're getting ready to go into a land that's going to be a different kind of land. It's not like the land that you had in Egypt where you had to go out there and work and till, but it's a land that I'm going to care for he says that as you come into this land, I want you to know that in this place, in this land, my eyes are always upon it. And then notice how he says this from the beginning of the year. I'd say that would characterize today, wouldn't you? As we look at 2017 and we look at this long year that's ahead of us, uh, it's good to know the Lord's eyes are upon it right now. But then he goes to the end and he says, even unto the end of the year. And here's what I want to preach to you for a little while about tonight, is a New Year's promise of the Lord's presence in our life. This is a pretty interesting time, in fact, in the history of the nation of Israel. As best as we can tell, we would call this calendar year, we would characterize it as 1451 B.C. That's a long time ago. Anybody around back then? I didn't think so. It was a long time ago. This year was an eventful year in the life of the children of Israel. In fact, I've got five things written down that were getting ready to happen within this next year. Now, they did not know this. I don't think Moses had a crystal ball. But the Lord certainly, in making this promise to the children of Israel, He knew what the year was going to hold ahead of them. And there was about five things that are interesting about this. And I guess this is an introduction. It might wind up being the message. I don't know. But I want you to notice first off, the Bible tells us that they would begin, and we see this in our text, they would begin in the wilderness whenever this year starts. You see, they're not in Canaan yet. When this year starts, when these commandments are given, Moses, of course, we know never went into the promised land. He viewed it from afar, but the Lord took him from this world before he could ever enter into Canaan's land. They are beginning this year in the midst of a wilderness. Now, It's good to know in 2017 that no matter where you're starting at, the Lord is present with you. There's a lot of folks that are really low right now. (laughs) Every Wednesday it's the same way. I wonder if we'll ever get done with prayer requests. Not because I don't enjoy them, but it just seems like just... Uh, time after time, request after request. And certainly most of us would acknowledge that there's probably requests that the Lord knows about that we couldn't even share, burdens that we have on our hearts. I think about so many people at this time of the year that are sick. I mean, it really it takes a toll, of course, on church attendance. It seems like every week you can look around and about the time you get somebody back, somebody else is gone. I guess that first person gave it to the second person. Amen. But It seems like a lot of folks are in a wilderness time right now. I think about Miss Bernice laying down at the hospital. I don't think she planned on having a day like she had today. Certainly the people that are sitting at home too sick to move, they didn't plan on things going the way that they've gone. But there they sit in the middle of a wilderness. There they sit with problems that they didn't ask for. And it's good to know that, listen, even when life is bad, God is good. And even when things are not the way we would choose for them to be, that doesn't mean God has forsaken us, that God has left us, that God has abandoned us. I just want to serve notice on you tonight that if you're in the wilderness, the Lord sees right where you're at. It could be nobody understands what you're going through. I've learned this in the short time I've pastored. there's going to be times you're going to meet people that you're not going to know what they're going through. And you just have to come to terms with the fact that sometimes the Bible has to be for them what your words of experience cannot be. I remember when I first started pastoring, one of the things I wondered is, Lord, how am I going to be able to preach to people that have families and have children? Of course, I was married, but I didn't have a child. And I didn't know he was going to fix the problem the way he did, but he did. But the Lord give me peace in this that you know even when I'm insufficient the Word of God's all sufficient, and even when I don't understand what you're going through I, as a pastor you always long to want to be able to empathize with people and know what they're dealing with. But I tell you right now I'm glad I don't have to go through everything that everybody has to go through. And there's going to be times when you look around and there's not a soul that knows what you're going through. I mean, times when nobody knows what it's like to hurt the way you hurt. Nobody knows what it's like to feel as lonely as you feel. Nobody knows what it's like to be as emotionally hurt and scarred and, and troubled as you are. Even in those times, the good God of heaven, the thrice holy God, knows and sees what you're experiencing. There will be times you'll be able to say, and a lot of people use this like a warm blanket they wrap up in and hide from the world, and they'll say, well, you don't know what I'm experiencing. And there is a temptation when we're going through problems to do that. I, I don't know why. I guess it's because we think if nobody can identify with us, then we're not accountable in some way. and We have this attitude like if we can somehow put ourselves in a circumstance that nobody else has been through, then they have no right to judge our behavior and our actions. Well, whatever the reason is that we do that, I've I got news for you tonight. No matter if nobody knows, the Lord knows. And He always is sufficient. They would begin this year in the wilderness. In this year, in 1451 B.C., they would cross over the Jordan. You may be facing problems in your life. You're probably not the only one. I know you're not the first one. If the Lord tarries His coming, then you're definitely not the last one. You're facing some things, some big rivers, some problems you don't know how to fix and how to solve. Don't you know they wondered what they was going to do when they came to the Jordan River? I mean, listen, I don't know if they owned a map, but I think they were aware enough of the geography of the world that they knew there was a river up ahead. But you see, they didn't have to worry or wonder, really, because they had already come to a big body of water, and the Lord had given them a way across. Now, I told you this message is going to be different than how I normally preach. I might just exhort you to death tonight, amen? But you may be going through some things. You may be facing some problems, and you don't don't have a clue what to do about it. I wish I could tell you that you're only ever going to to face problems that are easy to solve. But the fact is, that's not the reality of life. If things were how we defined fair, then we'd never come across a problem bigger than what we could handle. But that's not the reality of life. You're going to come into problems, things that you're facing that directly affect you, that directly have to deal with you and change your life and your well-being and your quality of life and existence, And you won't have a clue what to do about them. And oftentimes, it'll be beyond you to change your circumstances. And when those times come, it gets discouraging. I don't know if you're like me, but nothing I hate worse than being up against a wall and not knowing what direction to go. I don't know why. You know, I've been told it's a control thing. I don't know, but it seems like I can cope with problems better when I feel like there's something I can do about them. But that just feeling of utter hopelessness, knowing that your hands are tied and there's nothing you can do. What do you do in those times? Well, I would say that when they came to the Jordan, they could have confidence that the same God that could part the Red Sea is the same God that could part the Jordan River. You see, the fact is, you have no greater problem in life than your sin problem. And God made a way to deal with your sin problem. There's no greater problem that the human race faces than the problem of how to be reconciled with their Creator. Humanity has nothing they can do to deal with their sin, to eradicate their sin, to make their sin dealt with or just or right before God. There's nothing within them that has the capacity. There's no, none of man's ingenuity or philosophy or education that can address that issue. They are literally, man is helpless to make himself right with God. And yet God dealt with that problem. Now, if God can fix that problem, God can fix any problem. God can fix anybody. It doesn't matter what you're going through, what you're facing. You don't see a way through. Well, fine. You don't have to see a way through. God sees a way through. You see, when God made this promise, now understand that when they heard this promise, they didn't know what was ahead. But when God made this promise, God knew exactly what was ahead. The person that needs to know what's going on knows what's going on. If they had made this promise one to another, if they had looked to another person and said, listen, no matter what you go through, this year is going to turn out good for you, and I'm going to walk with you, and I'm going to protect you, that would have been a hollow promise. They couldn't have done that. Uh, we hear every, every four years the politicians, man, they get out and start making promises. And uh, it was no different this past year. And we've just grown comfortable with the fact that politicians ain't going to do what they've said, right? And you know, oftentimes, it's not even within their power to do the things that they promise. I mean, there's things sometimes that they promise that that nobody in the world could accomplish that. Nobody in the world could fulfill that. And you know what we call that? We call that an empty promise. And yet here, the person that has the ability and the person that has the knowledge and the wisdom and the wherewithal, he's the one making the promise. It's the God of glory saying that I'll be with you and my eyes will be upon you from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, all points in between. You may not know where your path leads, but I know where your path leads. You'll come to the Jordan River, but I'll make a way across it for you. And I'll deal with your problems. They would cross Jordan over the next year. They would also over this next calendar year, They would uh, defeat Jericho at the Battle of Jericho. You're going to have some battles probably in this next year, if I had to guess. Uh, 365 days. It don't seem like long, but uh, there's plenty enough time in 365 days for things in your life to get real crazy. Amen? I mean, it doesn't take long for a health malady to take a, a grip in your life. It doesn't take long to lose somebody. It doesn't take long to lose your financial security. It doesn't take long to lose some friendships. You're probably, over the next year, you're going to face some some battles, if I had to guess. If the Lord leaves you here, and if you serve Him, the Bible says all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So there are spiritual battles you're going to face, and then there's just battles that are reality of the human experience. Now, Job said that man uh, born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. So it says the sparks fly upward. In other words, he's saying that life is a troublesome thing. You're probably going to face some battles with your family, with your friends. You've got some things ahead of you, and so do I. Uh, people wish, it's funny because uh, every year there's millions and millions of dollars spent on people trying to go to soothsayers. And we don't call them soothsayers, right? We call, we call them, uh, you know, uh, uh, fortune tellers or, or we call them uh, life coaches sometimes, amen? Not that I'm totally against somebody getting their life in order, but people go to, I mean, they'll read the newspaper, they'll read uh, the Zodiac and uh, all those things. I can't even remember the names for them, that's how interested I am in you know? it. But a lot of money spent every year trying to figure out what the future holds. Let me tell you something. If you and I got the, got the news reel of 2017, if it came in the mail today, we'd probably, if we watched it, we'd crawl up in bed and never want to get out. We saw the things that lay ahead of us for this year. Uh, there'd probably be a lot of good things, but probably be a lot of things that we'd wonder how we're ever going to make it through. But God knows every battle you're going to fight in 2017. The one that made this promise said, no matter what you're facing, no matter how bloody the battle gets, no matter how ugly the circumstances are, I'll never look away. My eyes will always be upon you. There's times in life when you want to look away, isn't there? I'll be honest, there's times in life. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, God bless you. I hope it stays that way. But I think most people will know what I mean when I say there's times in life you just want to crawl up in bed and hide. Problem, at least I'm a grown man, and there's times I want to do that. You can ask my wife, time she comes in, all right, honey, it's time you... no, pull that blanket over my head. <laughs> because life's problems begin to pile in, and you, you begin to not want you want to run from them. God said, I'll never look away. I'll never look away. No matter what you do, no matter how badly you mess up, no matter the mistakes you make, I'll never take my eyes off of you. No matter how dreadful the circumstances might be, no matter how perilous the journey might get, I'll never take my eyes off of you. I'll watch you at all times. We're probably going to face some battles over 2017. You know, it was in this same year, 1451 B.C., they began in the wilderness. They crossed the Jordan. They defeated Jericho. But you know, it was in this same year that they were defeated at Ai. You know the story. I know you do. You've been told it probably in Sunday school of how after the great battle of Jericho uh, that the Lord had told him, said, don't touch anything in the city. All the spoil belongs to me. And a man by the name of Achan uh, allowed his eyes to get him in trouble. And by the way, that's where sin starts, right? Starts with the eyes. And he looked upon, the Bible says, a wedge of silver and some gold in a Babylonian garment. And he took these things and he took them back to his tent and he dug a hole underneath it and he hid them in there And He hid it from everybody's eyes. But you know, wouldn't you believe that there was one person that was looking on what Achan was doing? Everybody else, their eyes were somewhere else. But God was looking down upon Achan's behavior. And so God sees that Achan has stole this and He presses upon the heart of Joshua, meets with Joshua and says, Joshua, there's sin in the camp. It must be dealt with. It must be addressed. But before ever it is found out, they go to battle against a little city by the name of Ai. Ai. AI, was uh, they didn't even think it was worth their full army to go against AI. Uh, they only just sent a few, but those few that they sent, almost all of them died. And what a stinging defeat that must have been when they got back, don't you know? After they had seen God's hand so mightily work in the midst of their people at Jericho. And now this little city of AI defeats them. You know, probably your 2017 is going to have some defeats in it. I'm just being truthful with you. I, listen, I know this wouldn't fly on TBN. On TBN, they'd be telling you everything's going to be great from here till December. But I mean, if life turns out the way that it has in 2016 and 15 and 14, and every year I can remember, and probably that you can remember too, you had some defeats in your life. Uh, I, you know, I understand sometimes life gets tough even when we've not done anything wrong, but I do know that sin always brings defeat in the life of the believer. Now, I don't believe this is an excuse to sin. Amen. I don't, I don't believe there is any excuse to sin. Amen. I know we're not going to be perfect, but I understand that still when we sin, it's because we've chosen to do so. And, and I believe we ought to obey the Lord. But I do know that given the weakness of my flesh and your flesh, that probably there's going to be some sin in 2017. Right? I guess it's just me. Amen. It's going to be all of us. We're going to do things wrong. We'll mess up. We'll make mistakes. Sometimes it won't even be mistakes. It'll just be flat out, we did it because we wanted to and we knew it was wrong. The Lord's eyes are going to be upon you. He's going to see you in those moments. I know that uh, when I was growing up, and I don't guess there's a preacher walking this earth that hadn't told this same illustration, but, you know, it was sufficient for my mama to say, I'll tell your daddy when he gets home from work if I had done something wrong. If my daddy found out about it, he was going to address it. (laughs) I remember when I was growing up, if I did something wrong when I was out in public, and they'd tell me, uh, because even then, they'd take your kids away for, you know, hitting them with a lead pipe or something. And uh, they, no, my daddy never did that, but but he did love me enough to whip me. And uh, they'd tell me, they'd say, you're going to get a whipping when you get home. And man, I became the best behaved child ever to walk the earth. I'd get quiet, too. You know why I got quiet? I was hoping they'd forget about me. Isn't that silly? But that's how your mind works. You think that somehow my son said he's talking about me. That's what my son said. And, and, you know, I I don't know why. I guess I thought they'd forget they had a third child or something. But I'd start being a well-behaved. But if Daddy knew, I I always got a whipping when, when Daddy got home, when we got home. You know, our Heavenly Father, He sees everything we do. He sees everything you do and everything I do. Nothing escapes his omniscience. He is aware at all times of our behavior of the thing. and we may escape the eyes of a lot of people. I'll be honest, if you're careful, you can get away with a lot, but you can't ever get away with anything when it comes to God. There were things I did growing up, my parents still don't know about. I'm going to wait till they're on their deathbed and tell them all the rotten things I did. But uh, there's things they still don't know about. There's things probably that their parents went to their graves without ever knowing that my parents did. And you know, a a child, a lot of times they learn how to get away with things. Amen? You know, Christians do the same thing. We learn how to behave around church-going folks, around our family, around the folks that expect us to behave. But oftentimes we have hidden sins in our heart, in our life, but they're never hidden from God. God has seen everything that you've done. He saw the sin there uh, after Jericho, but He also saw the staining defeat of Ai. It's good to know that at our lowest times, God sees us. Listen, even when we have, even when we're in a mess of our own making, God loves us, and God watches over us. If you're like me, most of the messes you find yourself in are of your own making. I'll be honest. If I if I just get out of my way and let myself live and go on, I'd, I'd accomplish a lot. <laughs> Uh, It's easy to point the finger around at everybody else. It's their problem. It's what they've done. But I'll tell you right now, the greatest hindrance to Toby Weber is Toby Weber. I'm the person that creates the most problems in my life. But even in those moments when I've created a problem and I've done something wrong and there's no excuse for it and I'm wrong by all accounts, God still loves me and watches over me. It's not from the beginning of my good behavior to the end of my good behavior. It's from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. He sees even though those moments of defeat, when, when nobody's paying attention to you, God's paying attention to you. And then, you know, in 1451, they were going to conquer Canaan in that very year. I, I choose to believe that despite all the craziness of 2016 and all the rightly anticipated craziness of 2017, I choose to believe that God has big things for you and me. The day that I give up on God working in my life and yours is the day that we ought to just lay down and die. God help us that we don't allow realism to somehow slip into pessimism and to kill our joyful spirit in the Lord. I am a realist. I see what the world is. Probably not all of it, but, I, you know, I see a lot of it. I know the world's wicked. I know our country is wicked. Amen? It is. It is. It may be the greatest country in the world, and I believe that, but it's a wicked country. All those nations that forget the Lord shall be turned into hell, the psalmist said. I understand that. I understand where we're headed. I understand regardless of the political winds or cultural winds that this world is getting more wicked and that evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse. It's not lost on me, the wickedness of society but it's also not lost on me the sovereignty and power and love of my God. And I believe if He didn't have a plan for you or me, He wouldn't have us here. I know that sounds real trite and cliched to say, and you hear it all the time, and people sew it into wall hangings and put it on pillows and shirts, but it's true. God's not into wasting His time or yours. And if He has you drawing a breath and walking this earth, that means there's some ground to gain and there's some some lands to conquer and, there may be some defeats in 2017, but there's some victories to be had as well. And i tell you this, if we don't ever go to battle, we won't ever win the war. I'm not talking about a physical war. You know that. I know that. Probably everybody would know that, maybe CNN, if they got a hold of this. But everybody have enough sense to know what I'm talking about except uh, for that. But uh, I'm saying that ahead of us in 2017, God sees everything. And He sees the victories that lay ahead now. Here's what I want to do. Here's what we ought to do in light of it. Can I give you a few things? Would that be all right? Look down to verse number 13. The Bible says, And it shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God, and to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in His due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil, I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle that thou mayest eat and be full. I think in light of the fact that we have this New Year's promise, we ought to walk obediently in 2017. We ought to obey the Lord. You know what he's saying here? He's saying, listen, I'm with you. I'm watching over you. From from, And I know they didn't have January 1st. I understand that. Uh, the month of Bib would be their first month. But... What he's saying is, for our intents and purposes, from January 1st to December 31st, I'm going to be with you. And so I expect you to walk obediently in light of that. And if you'll walk obediently, he says, I'll bless you. Because there's no point of obedience that will be lost on God. There's a lot of times we do things that people don't notice, right? I try as a pastor to be attentive to people's service. But it's hard to do. I'll be honest with you. There's times people do things around here and I, I don't even know that it's been done. There's times that I'll be walking around and I'll see somebody's fixed something. and I'll go, man, that looks... I'll look at somebody and I'll say, boy, that looks good. I wonder who fixed that. And they'll say, well, so-and-so did it about a year and a half ago. <laughs> I'll say, man, I need to pay better attention. But God saw them do that. There's not... Listen, on this church property, there's not a piece of garbage picked up that heaven doesn't see. There's not a single... Task or job that's done that God doesn't notice. There's not a single moment in which we look to the life of another believer and encourage them and, and speak truth into their life and try to be a blessing to that God doesn't see. There's not a single penny given to the Lord's work that God doesn't take a record of. And not just on these grounds, but anywhere that you go as you serve the Lord and you're obedient to Him, He notices and He rewards. And He may not always reward in this life, but He'll always reward. We know that the Jews are an earthly people, correct? With earthly promises. And so God is giving them earthly promises. But you and I, we're heavenly people. And so sometimes, I believe just as the Bible says about judgment is true also about reward, some men's judgment goes on beforehand and others doesn't. There's some of us that will reap the rewards of what we've done in this life and and others that will reap the rewards in the life to come. Some of us will reap part of the rewards now, part of the rewards later. But mark her down that God sees it all. And in light of that, we ought to walk obediently. Look down at verse 16. The Bible says, take heed to yourselves that your hearts be not deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you. And he shut up the heaven that there be no rain and that the land yield not her fruit unless ye perish from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. I think we ought to walk carefully in 2017. Carefully. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, the Lord says, listen, if you'll obey my word, I'll bless you with the latter and the first rain. But he says, if you let your heart be deceived, and if you turn away and start to follow idols, and if listen, if you let the the land spoil you instead of you salting the land, and he says, I'm going to withhold the rain from you. There are consequences to our behavior. I see it more and more as as I get a little bit of age and, and get a little bit more grown up, if I can say it that way. Just how real the consequences of life are. When we obey the Lord, we're blessed. When we disobey the Lord, we're chastised. And God doesn't do that because He hates us. He does it because He loves us. But in light of the fact that God sees everything we do, that ought to cause us to walk carefully in this next year. 2017 is going to be full of pitfalls and dangers and temptations, just as it will be full of mountaintops and victories and encouragement and opportunities to serve God. Mark it down that you're going to have some things try to trip you up in serving the Lord in this next year. And in light of the fact that God has promised He'll see us through, and God has said He sees everything that takes place, I think we ought to be careful in the way that we behave. Look down at verse 18. The Bible says, Therefore shall ye lay up these words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. Now, He's talking about the Word of God. And ye shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, when thou risest up. And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house, and upon thy gates, that your days may be multiplied, and the days of your children, in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. I think in 2017 we ought to try to walk scripturally in front of this lost and dying world. Scripturally. Now, this is lost on most folks. Most folks don't ever think or wonder or consider what the Bible says about the way they live. Most people are worried what their family might say, worried what their friends might say, their co-workers. Some folks are worried about what society at large says. Uh, listen, and I don't mean this in an ugly way, and I'm not trying to just fuss about young people. Amen. I, I is one, last I checked. Not for very long, but... Uh, We live in the most narcissistic society, narcissistic time in humanity's existence that has ever been. Do you realize that a multi-billion dollar industry in this, the most powerful and influential infrastructure of information and technology in the world is devoted to people taking pictures of their lunch? Who cares? I'm going to be honest with you. I love you, and I care about a lot of things in, in your life, but I couldn't give a rip what you had for lunch today. And I'm betting you don't care what I had either. If you want to know, come talk to me. I'll tell you about it. A couple of sandwiches, some french fries. I don't think you care. And I don't think it's ugly for me to say I don't care what you had. But for some reason, we believe society cares about those things. Could it be that we think society sees things the way we do? And because we care, and and I'm going to be honest with you, I don't care what you have for lunch. I do care what I have for lunch. Amen? I'm very interested in what I have for lunch each day. You can ask my wife. I'm very interested in it. And could it be that we assume because we're interested in it, everybody else is interested in it? Right? We think everybody thinks the way we do. We think everybody does things the way we do. We think everybody says things the way we do. Uh, One of these days, we're going to turn off the computer and step outside and just be shocked to death when we realize there's people in this world other than us. We live in a narcissistic society. And as such, I mean, people care what everybody thinks. People care, more importantly, what they think. But nobody ever asks the question, what does God think about my life, my behavior, the way I'm living and what I'm doing? I've got news for you. You Look at this. I don't know exactly how many pages. It varies from Bible to Bible exactly how many pages, some 1,350 pages in my old Schofield King James Bible. And, and some of that has something to do with me. Amen. I would suggest that all of it has something to do with me. But some of it, I mean, it's like God just had me sitting in a chair and was talking to me when He wrote it. What I'm saying is this, and maybe I'm being oversimplified, and and I'm not trying to be too cute in the way I say it, but I'm saying in this vast, infinite, perfect, inspired book, we have God's opinions on the comings and goings of our life. We ought to consult it. We ought to find out what God says about our life, about our behavior. And we ought to model our life in a way that God would have us to live. We ought to walk scripturally. Look down verse 22. The Bible says this, "...for if ye shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, and to cleave unto Him, then will the Lord drive out all these nations from before you, and ye shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves." Every place where on the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. From the wilderness in Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even unto the uttermost sea shall your coast be. Boy, the UN would stroke out if they ever read that, wouldn't they? There shall no man be able to stand before you, for the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that you shall tread upon, as he hath said unto you. I think in 2017 we ought to walk victoriously. So what do you mean, preacher? The Lord's saying this. In 1451, you're going to have a lot of battles, but you're going to win a lot of them. And there may be some of them you lose, but there won't be a one of them you have to lose because this is a year of victory for you. Now, I want to be careful. There's a lot of TV preachers who want to make it seem as though you're never going to have any problems. I know you're going to have problems. But I don't believe it's the will of God for us to live discouraged. I know the discouraged Aspect of life is a reality. Listen, we all, if you're like me, I got some trees in my backyard. I got some evergreens and I got some Bradford pears and some maples and I've got a few juniper trees back there that occasionally I go back and sit underneath and decide the whole world's against me. But that doesn't mean I have to. I can choose whether or not I'm going to live discouraged. I can't choose about the things that might seek to discourage me. I wish I could make life a garden for you and I with no thorns. But that's not the reality. But I can make the choice that I'm going to look to God instead of looking to my problems. And I am going to walk for the Lord and go on. And sometimes it will be easy and I'll have a spring in my step. And sometimes I might have to crawl on my hands and knees. But I'm going to go forward for the Lord in 2017. And I'm going to let God gain some victories in my life. This can be a victorious year for us. You might face some problems, but you can close out 2017 closer to God than you started it. You can close out 2017 more dedicated to the Lord, uh, witnessing in a greater way, more bold in your witness to the Lord, more educated in your Bible and close to the Lord in your prayer closet. It's up to you and me to make that decision. And in light of the fact that the Lord says, I'll be with you all along the way, I think we ought to commit ourselves to say, you know what the Lord's saying here, He's not saying you're going to win these battles. He's saying, I'm going to win these battles. But he's saying, I'm going to put the fear and the dread of you in all these nations. Nations that are mightier than you. You know what we could say to that? Problems that are bigger than us can be overcome in this next year if we'll trust the Lord. Uh, Enemies that are bigger than us, greater than us, because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. We ought to live victorious. I'm going to give you one more and I'm going to be done. Look down at verse number 26. The Bible says, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. And a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way, which I command you this day, to go after other gods which you have not known. I think in 2017 we ought to walk deliberately. Deliberately. So what do you mean, preacher? Well, the Lord says this. At the end of all of these things He's promised, He said, now Listen. On one side of you is a blessing and on the other side is a curse. And you get to choose which side of the road that you walk on. So when you you order your steps, order them in a deliberate manner. If there's anything I could fault my generation, I don't know what my generation would be. I'm not a millennial. I guess I would be generation X. I don't know. But whatever you could call my generation... One of the things I would fault them for is to say this, that they don't know how to live deliberately. We have a tendency to float through life, to just do whatever, whenever, to wind up wherever. And it's sad. I, I, you look back, you know, you study the lives of, of great men that God raised up for an hour and a moment in time. And one characteristic that you always find, oftentimes they made. Horrible mistakes. Oftentimes they had great wisdom, but they were always purposed in whatever they were doing. I learned this from my pastor growing up. He was a purposed man. He didn't always make the right decisions. He made a lot of mistakes, and he'd be one that would admit that. I was going to say the first to admit it. I don't know if that's true, but but he was a deliberate individual. He never wondered where he was going next. He always had a clear vision and direction in his life and in his behavior. I can tell you, I can make some predictions. Would that be all right? I know I fussed about soothsayers, but I think you'll understand what I mean by predictions when I say this. I can predict this, that if you don't make some clear-cut and defined decisions about the direction of your life, then at the end of 2017, you're going to be in much the same shape, if not worse, than you have been in 2016. If you don't make your mind up that you're going to serve God and and go after Him passionately, then you may not wind up in the ditch, or you may, but you're not going to by accident start serving God. But now, if you will make those decisions, might take some some trials, some some difficulty. I heard a preacher say the other day, and I think this is good. This stuck in my mind. The Holy Ghost pinned a note in my heart when he said this. I heard a preacher say that the Lord's not looking for perfection. He's just looking for a direction. God's not expecting you to, to live perfectly in 2017, but here's what He is expecting. If you make a mistake and fall, get back up and keep heading in the right direction. Be deliberate in your life, and your decisions. Don't just float through. It's easy to do that, especially if you get a few years on you and life is sort of settled into a routine. You, you, you sort of get used to just doing what you do. Well, let me tell you something. Einstein said that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. I'd say most of the time we'd call that today Christianity. Amen? Uh, corporate Bible Christianity is what we might define that as. Or let's just call it Baptist behavior. We expect to have a different kind of 2017 doing the same things we did in 2016. That ain't going to happen. If you, listen, if you want God to do more in your life, then you're going to have to do more for God in 2017. I know there's a tendency to think with the world going crazy, we just need to back off and let up. But that's the opposite of what we need to be doing. You know what the Bible says about it when it talks about going to the Lord's house and being involved in the Lord's work and exhorting one another unto love and unto good works. It says, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We, uh, We didn't do announcements tonight. I guess I'll do them before we close. But let me make one right now. The Lord's coming back. And as His return gets closer, we don't need to be getting less in this thing. We need to be getting more in this thing. And if you want 2017 to be what it needs to be, you're going to have to make some decisions about your life and your behavior. And you don't have to promise the Lord you're not going to make any mistakes, because the Lord knows better than that. But you do have to say, Lord, I do make the commitment that I'm going to live more for you. Or if there's some things God's dealt with you about, you can say, Lord, I want you to forgive me of it, I repent of it, and I want you to help me to be faithful in staying away from this. Whatever it is, I'll tell you this, we need to learn how to walk deliberately in 2017. Well, our heads bowed with our eyes closed